Um, so, just while they're walking around, uh, we had a wedding here yesterday, which was really exciting. Uh, a young couple called Michael and Anna. Um, some of you know them, some of you might not. You would have seen them around. Um, but it was just a really exciting time. Um, and again, it's just, I don't know, when you see people that are ready to commit their lives to each other in marriage, I don't know, it's just beautiful, you know. And I was looking at them and just how joyful they were and looking forward to the future and what's ahead of them. And uh, interesting day because it was like a big storm came through. Just right when they arrived, sort of finished when they finished, there's a bit of thunder and lightning and stuff like that, which is quite cool because, you know, I was talking about storms a little bit in my message. And, um, you know, I said, I now pronounce you man and wife, and the thunders went... <laughs> like, is, that, is that a good omen or bad omen? I'm not sure. No, it's not any omen at all because we work on our marriages, right? We want them to be godly marriages that we work on. And that's a little bit what I wanted to talk about today, um, but really looking at, you know, husbands, um, just some practical stuff about how you can love your wife really well. And as I was starting to just go through the scriptures again, the more I see that there's actually not that much instruction about marriage in the Bible. There's some, but really it's, it's sort of general stuff, isn't it? Like, husbands love your wives... Wives respect your husbands, you know, submit to one another, all those sorts of things. They're very sort of general about what we should do. And the truth is that we have no idea, right? We enter this thing called marriage thinking we know something. We do know that we're in love and that's, that's enough apparently. Um, but then things happen and people have, have different characters. Have you noticed that? That the person you married doesn't always, doesn't always think the same as you. Um, I've noticed that, you know, sometimes she's wrong and it's just really, no, <laughs> kidding, she's not here, that's all I can say, no, no, she's out Sunday school. No, there, there's times when you just don't quite gel in areas, you know, and, and you think, is this impossible to work through and, and it seems like it at times because you come up against something and usually it's something in our character that just seems just a little bit flawed um, and we're all like that, aren't we? I think, you know, as, as Alison's given her communion this morning, the kingdom of Alison, you know, sometimes she likes to be in charge. Uh, Matt's never said that to me. He's always, you know, yeah. <laughs> and no doubt Matt sits on his little throne at times, you know, wanting to direct the traffic around the place. And, you know, I'm, I'm the king actually here. And it's, it's funny, like we sang a song at the kids' day here and it was like, you know, you're not the boss and she's not the boss and he's not the boss and, but Jesus is the boss. And, and really when it comes down to it with relationships in any way, that's what it has to be. That there's this dethroning of self, which is really hard to do, especially if you're not, um, if you're not a Christian, to be honest, because Christ's love is meant to enter into our heart, isn't it? In a different way, like in every area of our life, that, that it's not my love, it's not my effort, it's not my self that's trying to do anything but this relationship with God that changes me, that helps me to actually see the truth about myself because I'm actually pretty ugly on the inside, to be honest, when I think about it. The way I think about myself, the way, um, you know, I want to establish, like Alison said, my kingdom at times is just such ugliness in me and, and I don't like it. You know, I don't like it when I'm like that, but there is a way that we can move forward with God in the centre of our life. 
But without him in the centre, it won't move forward. And so I just wanted to sort of give some general things that I've noticed um, about myself, really, uh, and, and just these general instructions to men that, that actually seem to be quite universal when you, when you look through the friends that you have, the, the people that you know, there's these sort of general things. Now, I wouldn't say that men and women are different in every area, but there's some ways we think differently and act differently. And what I've found is, to be honest, a lot of blokes are big sooks. Like they, they, <laughs> they like to have things their own way, and if they're not, they'll withdraw and walk away from things, and, and it can end up being a real tension in marriage and the relationships that we have in life. Now, I know I've been a sook <laughs> at times and done that. But I just wanted to start off firstly with this, this psalm that talks about marriage. A song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labour. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. The first thing I want to say, and it applies to any relationship, But blessed is the person who fears God first. If you want to have a good marriage, you better get yourself right with God first. Everything else flows from that. And why I love this psalm is it really talks about, you know, as it talks about your family, that area of it. Like there's, there's great stuff in there, but as it talks about your wife, you know, she'll be a fruitful vine in your life and your, your children will be like olive trees around your table. You see, nothing in this life that we build without God is worth building. The Bible says very clearly, unless the Lord builds a house, the person who builds it is labouring in vain. In other words, you can try all you want, you can build all you want. I'm not saying that methods won't work, that, that principles won't work, but what I'm saying is this, that only God can change a heart. And firstly, husbands, if you want to have a good marriage, the very, very start, if you want to have not just a good marriage, a great marriage, let's, let's, go, for the, let's go for the ultimate, eh? You know, where you're still you know, in your 80s and you're chasing each other around in wheelchairs and having fun together. It's, it's what we want, isn't it, out of life, that, that we can actually enjoy each other, that we can have this fruitfulness in our life and it doesn't come unless you seek God first, husband. Applies to wives as well, but you understand what I'm talking today. Men are very influential on their families. If you think about kids coming to church, the statistics show overwhelmingly that if it's the husband that comes to church, the attendance of children is far, far greater. I mean, like, we're talking huge amounts. If it's just mum, it might be 20% of the kids. If it's dad, I think it's something like 85%. Just dad. Mum and dad even higher. But a man who loves God is a man who shows an example to his family of what they should be looking for. There is strength in men. There is strength in your character. 
that needs to be shown to your children. They need to see that you are a lover of God, that your first and foremost thought is towards him every single day, that you are not out to build your own kingdom, but you are about to serve God and to serve your family in a way that shows that reverence for God. Men of God, you need to honour the word of God first of all. If you want your children and your family to be strong, you need to honour that word and live it out in your life. They need to see a man of strong integrity, a man who doesn't quit, a man who loves others unconditionally, a man who is soft and velvety yet at the same time has a spine of steel. Someone who will stand for his family. Someone who will protect them and love them without question. But it comes straight away from this first thing. You need to fear the Lord. Don't try and do this without him. It's not going to work. Don't try and do it without him because it's not going to prosper. But then if we start to fear the Lord, we will find that our family will change. We want our family to change, but we do not want to change ourselves. It's never going to work. Love your family, but love God first. From this, everything else flows. Honour him and honour him well. Now, let's go on to our next few verses. This is in Proverbs chapter 31. Now, if you've been in church for a, a while, you'll know this, this is often, often given as the godly woman, Proverb 31. You'll see a whole lot in it. But I just wanted to, to show you something, husbands, that you need to do. And it starts to affect the mindset that you have towards your wife. Remember, this is a man who, first of all, is loving God well. And this talks about after it's described, this woman in this proverb, but then it says, her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. What's this saying to you? As a man who is married, there should be no other woman that is as beautiful as your wife. And while you look around, you can see people, your heart should be always towards her. She is the one you married. She is the one that you chose for you to go on the journey of life with. And there are so many men who do not praise their wives or do not praise them well. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. He's looking upon her with these eyes that just see the goodness that is in her, and, they're praise, and he is praising her. I'll go into a minute what he could praise her about, but what do you see the children doing? Her children stand and praise her and bless her. Why is that? Because they can see a dad who is in love with mum, who continually says, you are an amazing woman, you are the best wife in the world. Now we know that not every woman is the best wife in the world, only mine. <laughs> Good answer. Each man should have this adoration for his wife that is just 
above anything else. And, and one thing that is really amazing as I look through this and as I talk with people is this. What's he saying? He's not saying, oh, you're the most gorgeous woman in the world. You're the prettiest woman. She might be and hopefully she is to you. But there's something deeper about how he praises her. Husbands, think about the things you say to your wife. Do they speak to always outward things? Oh, you look beautiful today. Hopefully they do sound like that as well. But what about this? What do you actually really love about your wife? You don't love her because she's beautiful. She is beautiful, but that's not really why you love her. Deeper than that, what are the reasons that you really love your wife for? And what do you praise her with? Are there things that she does? Things that she says that you look at and you're just like, that is so noteworthy. And when you're praising her, you're starting to think of character, not of just what they look like, but who they are. Who they are. For example... I could say to my wife, I just love the way when you're in a room you have this infectious laugh that draws people in. It's amazing when you get together with those people that, that your heart is just for them and you have this amazing joy for life when you're around them and it draws them into relationship. I love that about you. Are there deeper things that you should be saying to your wife Deeper levels that you're going to be connecting on so that they know that you don't just love them for their outward appearance. Because as this says, beauty fades. But the things of the heart, they remain forever. And a man who falls in love with just looks is going to be disappointed one day because they're going to hit their 50s or 60s or 70s and start to look at their wife and think, she doesn't look like she did when she was 25. News is you don't either. <laughs> But building up your, your wife, your husband, on who they are is so important to do that. All right, let's go on to the next one. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 9. Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of your life. That's just to give you a bit of pep this morning. That God has given you under the sun, the wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. So you can put up the next verse as well, I think. Deuteronomy 24.5 A newly married man must not be drafted into the army or be given any other official responsibilities. He must be free to spend one year at home bringing happiness to the wife he's married. I'll just tell you, a lot of husbands bring misery to their wife. And yet we are encouraged to live joyfully with the wife of our youth. We are encouraged, as this verse says here, that we're meant to bring happiness into the home. But how often do men bring home misery? Do women want to vote? No, kidding. <laughs> how often do you bring home misery as a husband? It's a normal thing. You're working hard, you're living this hard life, which is the 
Um, the bit that Ecclesiastes talked about in the meaningless days of your life, you feel like everything's meaningless, you get home and you know, you've given your very best to the world all around you, you've been kind to your customers maybe, you've been joyful to your friends, you've encouraged them, you've been nice to them, you get home and it's like, I'm home now, let me take you for granted honey, I'm going to sit on the couch and ignore you, I'm just going to bring some misery into this home today. You see the kids and it's just like, can you get away from me? Daddy's had a hard day. Is this something that you do as a husband, as a father? Isn't it sad that our family often gets the leftovers of who we are rather than the gourmet delights <laughs> that we should be? It's interesting that a wife should be needing cheering up after she's married for that first year, right? But I think what God wanted to do was establish that a marriage is meant to be happy. We can have a long marriage, we can have a lasting marriage, but can we have a happy marriage? They're different. I don't want to cheer someone who's been married for 20 years, five of them good, I want to cheer the ones that have pushed in and said, you know what, we are working on this. We are going to grow together as one, as God called us to be. And husband, when you come home, is your wife happy to see you? Is she happy to see you walk through the door? Is she knowing that you're going to bring all the troubles of the day with you? That you're going to come in with a bad attitude, with a stinking stinking presence about you that doesn't bring in this aroma of life and goodness and all it is is complaint, complaint, complaint or is there joy in your wife? Now I would contend that happy people produce happy people. And as I said, husband, you are a big influence on your home and you are the joy bringer to your home. You are the one who should instill the life and the health and the, and the spring and the step of your home and enjoy life with her and with your children. Little check up there. Are you bringing joy home? Let's remember reading one story about one guy and he had what he called his worry tree at the front of his house. It wasn't a real tree, just imaginary. Excuse me. But what he used to do is he'd come home from work and he'd stop before he went into his house and he'd look and he'd, he'd start taking things off. Not real things. I'm taking off that, that fight I'm having with that customer today. That's going there. I'm taking off that disappointment. That's going there. And he'd go through this process of hanging everything up on this tree before he walked through the door because he didn't want to bring in the baggage of the world around him, that, that life that was in Ecclesiastes, the meaningless life. He didn't want to bring it home because he didn't want his marriage to be meaningless as well. He wanted it to be a place of joy. Husbands, are you bringing joy to your home? Okay. Next verse, please.
I just wanted to talk about this, and this sort of goes back a little bit to that first thing we talked about in Proverbs. That probably goes into a little bit more detail. Now, I've got to say that the way the world is structured at the moment makes it very, very hard for anyone, especially men, to remain faithful to their wife. There's a lot of stuff, pressure, worldview that women are objects. Now, as much as we think that people are fighting against that, women shouldn't be objects, but let's make them objects anyway. There's no way it's getting less, right? Do you really think it's getting less, that there's a higher respect for women now than there used to be? Because now it's not only let's exploit them, but let's get them to exploit themselves for our benefit. It's how it's working. Going down where, where teenage kids are sending naked photos of each other to each other, there's a pressure to do that. An exposure to look beyond your marriage. And Proverbs talks very bluntly about it. As you can see, there's some words perhaps you wouldn't normally see in church. But God wants us to know truth. And this is something that, husbands, you have to really settle in your mind. Now let me go back to the first thing we talked about. Love God first. This isn't about you denying yourself. This is about you receiving the power of God to live a godly life the way you should. So let's read it. Proverbs 5 verse 15 to 19. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Husbands, there should be no other woman for you. There should not be another woman that your eyes are drawn to all the time, that you are thinking about, that you are placing your thoughts upon because this wife of yours is your wife. It's saying very plainly here that sex is for you and your wife in marriage. It's not to be shared. It belongs to you and you alone. It's a sacred thing that you have it together. But it's let her be the fountain of blessing for you. Let her be the one that, that satisfies your love needs. Rejoice in her. Let it be her breasts that satisfy you, not those of a stranger. May you always be captivated by her love. I love that verse, or that bit of the verse. Being captivated by your wife. And I would say personally that that is a choice that we make. There's a reason you married this woman that you're with. It's because at one stage, at least in your life, you saw the beauty that is in her. That, that person that is next to you saw the beauty and you were captivated by that love. You were so captivated that you said, I want you to be my family. It's not enough that we're dating, but I want you to be my family. I want to share a name, a house, a bed. 
together. I want us to build a life. And yet so often we allow ourselves to be distracted by what the world says and turn away from that because we don't understand the absolute holiness of this love. Always be captivated by your wife. When you look at her, look at her with eyes of love. It's a choice. It's a choice that you're making. When you're looking at her, do you, do you see the beauty that's there? And I think that's why it says rejoice with the wife of your youth. It's that memory of what was and still is, but it's carrying through that, that as a husband, you actually don't see your wife any differently. You're captivated by her. She's the only one for you. The way she moves, the way she laughs, the way she giggles, whatever it might be, the sunlight in her hair. You're captivated. You understand that captivated is like captured? It means your love is not turning towards anyone else. Oh, and there's great pressure to do this because you know what? That woman at your office that loves flirting with you, that's young and fun and you know, she doesn't have to share the financial struggles with you at home. She doesn't have to share the burdens of life with you and of course it's fun and you can feel that this fantasy is going to satisfy your need but it's not. The reality is if you decide together as a couple that you're going to make this marriage work, it will work 100% guaranteed. If I ever have to do any marriage, talking with people, counselling, whatever you want to call it, the first thing is, are you willing to work at it? Now, their marriage might be on the rocks, but they're willing, genuinely in their heart, we want this to work and we want to turn towards God and make it work, 100% guaranteed it will work. You have another couple whose marriage seems okay, there's not that great big a drama, but they're not really interested in working on anything. It's not where you are in life, it's where you're going. Are you willing to put yourself off that throne and start to work towards a better life together? Men, one of the keys is be captivated by her love. Make sure, sure that she is secure with you, that she doesn't have to second-guess everything she does. Does my husband love me? Does he care about me? Does he even know who I am? But husband, you are so captivated that she has not one thought for one minute that you are looking anywhere else. She is yours and only she is yours. Next verse, please. So here we are looking in Ephesians 5, probably the most commonly used verses about marriage. It talks about mutual submission, the submission of a wife, and for a husband, what submission means here. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Is there another slide for that one? Should be. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. 
For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. Husband, to love well, it means that you sacrifice self. That's what it's saying. Christ gave himself up for the church and, his, and there's this call for us as husbands to give up ourselves for our wives. Becoming a servant in love for them. And as we read this and we, we read for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. What does that really mean? I think we read it pretty shallowly a lot. But let me ask you guys, if you're hungry, what do you do? You go to the fridge, (laughs) find something there or nothing. So you have another 10 minutes later, still nothing. But when you're hungry, you want to feed yourself, don't you? Have you ever hurt yourself, cut yourself, broken a hand, got a bruise? Do you care for it? Do you nurture it? Do you fix it up? Do you ignore it? Some people ignore pain. (laughs) But imagine your wife is hurting and all your thought is for myself. Imagine your wife needs some encouragement And all you're thinking of is yourself. Imagine your wife has a headache and all you're doing is thinking of yourself. You see, this this oneness that we have is built on understanding and knowing one another. And the thing is that you will find that you can very easily lose contact with who each other is if you don't tend to the garden of marriage. I remember one day just thinking about it with me and Joe, and I was like, Joe's a person. (laughs) Joe has dreams. Joe has hopes for the future. What are those hopes? What are her dreams? And many people don't bother to go on that depth with their partner in life. To find out who they really are, what's their hopes, what's their dreams, what's their fears, what's their realities, what's the things in their life that they need help with, where are they hurting, where is their pain. But husbands, we're told to live with understanding with our wives. That means that we need to learn about them. Now, I know people say no one can know a woman's mind, especially a man. I don't believe that's true. I won't say the joke. Okay. I really don't think that's true. The reason is that men don't understand women is because they're selfish pigs. Simple as that. They choose not to understand. They choose to look after themselves and not care about the other because their world is all about them. But a marriage that is built on a love like Christ means that the husband will give up his life for the wife. Now we know that that's not really mostly talking about dying for your wife, don't we? 
you would do it. You definitely would do it in a physical way, wouldn't you, husbands? I hope so. But the reality is, I don't know how, I don't really know any people in my immediate circle where I've thought that woman, her husband actually died for her. She's about to get shot. He stepped in front of the bullet. You would do it physically. But what about promoting yourself in life? Are you prepared to give up something that you want to make it something that we want together, that we can do together, that we can achieve together? Are you willing to put on hold some of your dreams, some of your aspirations, so that you can promote your wife's dreams, your wife's aspirations, her feelings. Now, I'm not saying that we all just... You understand what I'm saying? See, giving up your life is not physically dying necessarily. Christ did that for us, of course. But the whole point was that so we could have life and husbands... If we go back to living joyfully with your wife and loving and respecting only her, then giving up your life means that you are now living to please another person. To love them well. To serve them well. Whoops. So, is that my last verse there? That's my last verse. Like I said, not really all that much practical stuff in terms of this is what you need to do. The truth is that we don't know each other very well, but we're all different. And every marriage is different. Every marriage works differently because there's different personalities, different characters involved. And I think that's why God is just saying, let's have a look at your character. Because if you love God well, you will love the person you're married to well. He will develop your character together because the two become one. You know, when you first got married, it wasn't like this magic happened and all of a sudden you were just exactly the same in every area. You'd never had an argument in life because somehow you thought exactly the same. You, did the sa- you had the same hobbies. You had the same friends and likes and dislikes. You all loved watching cricket and football. Straight away. (laughs) But I really believe that God wants to bring husband and wife together because the two become one. They walk into oneness, but they can't do it unless they give up their own selfish desires and serve one another in love. Come, music team, come up. We're going to pray this morning and perhaps, I don't know, this message has really spoken to you and you're just like, I want to be a better husband or I want to be a better wife or something. Who knows? Come up the front for prayer if you want prayer for salvation. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour and you're trying to do this walk on your own, you need him in your life. You've heard the songs this morning. You've heard communion that a Christian life is all about giving yourself to Christ who died for you for your sin. Perhaps that's you this morning and you just want prayer and say, I want to give my life to God. I've been, 
I just don't know what to do. I'm, I feel lost. There's an emptiness inside of me. Let me tell you right now that he is the one that can fill it and he wants to do it. Maybe you just want prayer for healing. Maybe you want encouragement. Whatever it might be, it's open this morning. We're always open at the front for that. You can come up for prayer anytime you want. And we'll pray for you. Is God only here? No. But sometimes you just need that boost. And I do believe that Sunday mornings is a special time. And just with people that come up the front, sometimes something breaks because they've been trying to walk on themselves. They've been praying themselves, but they just want someone to just bless them, to agree with them for something in their life. So it's open this morning for prayer for whatever you'd like. Other than that, husbands, love, love, love your wives. You don't always get it right. That's okay. I still don't get it right today. (laughs) But it's righter than it was. I understand Joe more than I did. And to be honest, our marriage gets better and better every day. A lot of that's dealing with me, not her. Changing me, not trying to change her. Letting God change me, letting God change her. And that's why if you have two people, two people that love God fully, and are listening to him, you are guaranteed success. Guaranteed, like 100%. Why? Because it's the same Holy Spirit that lives in you that lives in your wife. It's the same Holy Spirit that lives in you that lives in your husband. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't disagree with himself. And two people that are fully committed to God and listening to the Holy Spirit will get exactly the same message.